You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. Holiday shopping made easy, folks. Today, I talk to Washington running back Antonio Gibson. We talk about his development, where he's growing, Offensive Rookie of the Year, and the way. Then I talk to ESPN's Brooke Pryor, who covers the Steelers. You can follow her on Twitter at BE. P-R-Y-O-R. And don't forget you can read my work on ESPN.com. I'll have a story up this weekend on receiver Terry McLaurin. Also, and I've made this offer before, but if you know someone who needs a distraction because of the pandemic situation, maybe they're just feeling down and could use a pick-me-up, maybe talking football for a few minutes on Zoom would help. If so, hit me up on Twitter. With that, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Washington running back Antonio Gibson. One thing I forgot to ask him was about his My Cause, My Cleats. He is supporting the Lupus Foundation. One of his relatives has lupus, so this is near and dear to his heart. Yes, I feel bad for not asking, but now you know what his cause is. And now, here's Antonio Gibson. The first thing I want to start with is the big... The big news you had, I think, I don't know if it's news, but on Instagram, you're walking around with a cute little puppy. Is that yours? Is that new? And what's the story behind the dog? The story behind the dog? Yeah. Is that, was that your dog? Yeah. Yeah. When, when did you get it? What's the name? And it was a pretty cute little puppy. Uh, his name is Zach. I uh, got him about the beginning of this month. Okay. Um, what, what kind of dog is that? A golden retriever. Okay, cool. It was a pretty cute picture. I saw that yesterday. So um, the other day, Ron Rivera compared you. He thought that your style was kind of similar to Arian Foster. Did you ever get the chance to watch Foster play, and what do you think of that? Uh, I think I agree with the um, explosiveness. Uh, I feel like uh, I'm a little bit more – like I said, I play receiver, uh, you know, most right. of my career. So being able to do that, I feel like it brings a little bit more to my game. But running style, I can definitely see that. Um, he's He actually told me that a couple of times, so – did you go? Did you watch a lot of Foster? Did you, you know, did you go back and watch him, or were you pretty familiar with him before that? I was pretty familiar with him. I didn't, yeah, I didn't have to. Go okay. Back and watch. Are there any? Are there backs that you like to go watch just to to see how you compare in terms of style that, or that you would like to take from their games? Uh, I would say a back that I watch that I liked a lot was Le'Veon Bell back when he was with Pittsburgh. Um, the patientness, um, how he exploded when he saw the hole. Um, and, you know, it's hard to do that with, um, you know, different O-line, different coaching. Schemes. Sure. But uh, just to see the patience and being able to explode uh, when necessary, I kind of like that play. And that patience has really been showing up with you. So how have you – how do you work on becoming more patient? What do you have to tell yourself before the snap just to make sure you take this exaggerated step 
And then go, how do you become more patient? Uh, I feel like knowing when and when not to be patient. Uh, you know, sometimes you just got to stuff it in there. Uh, I'm still learning that. And uh, I feel like just trusting your linemen, um, you know, you know where the blocks are going. Um, just trust that your blockers are going to get there. Um, I feel like that's where you kind of get the patience from. There was a run you had against Dallas. And I think it was that it was second 19, the 10 yard run. I don't know if that's an example of something or not, but it looked like, first of all, the jet action takes the, the end out of the play, but you really press that hole and then you cut back to an opening. Is that an example of growth or am I just reading too much into something? Cause that way you really put the linebacker flow is over. The block comes, you got the opening. What is that a sign of, uh, of you know, growth by you? you think? Uh, I feel like, yes. Um, coach has been preaching that to us. Um, if you look earlier back into the season, uh, I was making cuts way too early. I'm not getting the backers to flow with me. I'm not setting up blocks. So pressing the line does that. Uh, I've been growing with that right there. When did you start to see how that, how much that mattered? Cause I've seen that over the last several games, it's been obvious that you've been doing that. So when did you really see, was there a run earlier in the year that you saw that, Oh, I've got to do this or I did do this. And this was the result. Uh, it was plenty, plenty of times where I seen uh, I was cutting too early and coach was telling me, uh, and, you know, if you press that a little bit more, maybe the hole would open up a little bit more. So just taking it week in and week out, uh, telling myself to pay attention to those things during practice. How do you get better at pressing it? Because that's, you know, it could be if you get to a yard, that's where you want to be. If you get to two yards, it might be too soon. So how do you get used to getting to where you need to be? Um, just forcing yourself, uh, if you want, if you're told to be on the outside help of, uh, you know, your lead blocker, that's where you go to. And, um, you know, you follow him until somebody take you off your tracks. Uh, if somebody takes you off your tracks then you know, you can make something happen, but if not, you know, follow your tracks, hit the hole when you need to hit the hole. Where else do you feel? Because when I was talking to your coach one time, he thought it was like some of those three and four yard runs were some of the runs that they were really happy with. Cause it was more about the consistency and all that. Do you agree with that? And like, what what has been the key there? Um, just being able to um, establish the run. I feel like uh, the running back group here, uh, we've been improving, improving there. Um, you know, the first play you want to get at least two or three yards just to start off. Uh, you don't want to take a loss or, or gain one yard. Then you kind of forced to go towards the passing game. Um, so just establishing in the run. And you felt like you felt like you're just more consistent in that area. Yes, sir. Have you one of the guys that was here this summer was Adrian Peterson, and we saw you talking to him and you before the game in Detroit. Have you been able to maintain a contact with him? Has he talked to you about your game at all? Uh, it's not a constant thing, uh, but I took that chance to uh, you know catch up with him and you know ask him a couple things, but it hasn't been a constant thing. What did you learn from him this summer? Uh, one thing he, he installed in me was you know error on um, on pass bro, uh, you know getting out too quick. And, uh, you know, somebody passing by you, um, that can be a problem. So he, he always told me, air on pass, bro, air on pass, bro. And uh, that's what he told me when we was having that conversation as well on the field. So I would take that. And uh, also taking care of your body. Uh, he preached that. Um, are you doing Are you doing things differently this season compared to what you were in college in terms of taking care of body? Like, what are you doing? Uh, definitely. Uh, trying to get an ice tub every day. Um, going to extra miles, of, like getting massages uh, on off days or, or when I could fit them in. Um, you know, just trying to stay fresh because it's, it's a long season. After you had that game against Dallas on national TV, what was the reaction like from family, friends, or just what what did it feel like? Because you had a few days to process that. What was that like after that game? Uh, it felt good. You know, I got my congratulations. Um, you know, good job 
here and there, but, uh, you know, it was time to get back to work. So just looking forward to improve, uh, you know, each week, like I said, uh, from the start. So that's what I've been doing. So, you know, I feel like this week we got another opportunity to um, showcase something. So, And you got some pr- a pretty good run defense that you have to face. What makes them a good run defense from what you've seen so far? Uh, I feel like how physical and, um, you know, how, how aggressive they attack the ball. I feel like they play good as a, uh, as a team. Um, and, you know, I feel like they're, they're very dominant on defense. Uh, everybody's running to the ball. Uh, they don't too much lack on responsibilities. Uh, and they have a good front. Their front is, uh, you know, amazing. So we'll see. How much how, how much more can you grow in this offense? Because this one of the things Ron Rivera was saying the other day is about getting you maybe more involved in the past game as we get going down the season here. How much more do you feel you can do? Uh, a lot more. Uh, you know, right now, just trying to learn a running back. Uh, you know, they've been taking a lot off my shoulder, so uh, I don't see nothing wrong with that. But uh, as time goes on, I could uh, see myself, you know, starting to split out more, uh, helping out, you know, more blocking, more jets, or, you know, lining up in um, or, ordinary spots and, you know, doing stuff from there. So I feel like I can grow a lot. You were learning every spot at Memphis. It was kind of amazing because I didn't realize you were learning some tight end as well. How how nice has it been for you to focus more just on this position, and how has that helped you? Uh, feels good uh, being able to you know take my time on one position and not being everywhere uh, and having to multitask all the time. So to be able to focus on one spot, you know, get to learn that in depth, um, it's it's kind of easier on me. What was it like having to learn all those positions in college? Um, at first it was tough, but, uh, it also helps, uh, learning everything. You could kind of line up somewhere and be like, oh, he has that. So I have this, or I know this guy's going to guard him like that. So I can do this. Um, so I feel like at first it's tough, but once you get it, it, it actually helps your game. Does it help you even now? Like, are there things that you can use at running back now that maybe even you picked up from lining up a tight end or, or learning that spot, learning receiver, are there things that you can take into incorporating your game right now? Uh, definitely. I feel like uh, at Memphis, we were big on blocking. Um, if you didn't block, you didn't play. So okay. when everybody said, uh, you know, I wasn't able to pass, bro, I feel like it was a a, a one-two thing. Uh, I made a couple of errors, but, you know, I was growing, and I feel like I'm starting to do better um, as the weeks go on. But uh, the blocking phase, um, knowing how to, you know, get in and out of cuts, at, I was in open field a lot as receiver, so trying to use that, but also, you know, stay north. Uh, I tried to put that in there, so definitely. You also seem like you're getting you're a lot, you're lowering your shoulders even more now when you're running through the hole. Has that been a point of emphasis for you? Uh, definitely, and that could be that was a problem of me playing too much receiver, right? Running back, uh, I was running up high, um, and you know, coach told me, you know, get your, get your pass low, get your pass low. Uh, so just trying to focus on that, I've been doing better. How much did the JUCO experience help you or shape you? Uh, a lot. Uh, I think my first year there, uh, we had a winning season. Uh, my second year there, we had a losing season. And, um, I would say the the most important thing I learned there was probably when I first got there. Uh, one of the DBs was like, I think like the first day I got there, he's like, let's go outside and uh, get some work in. I'm like, I just got here. <laughs> he was like, come on. Uh, we ran some routes, and he wouldn't let me get off the line of scrimmage. Uh, since then, it clicked. It was like, you know, got to put in some more work. Like, this is the next level, so and this is what you want to do. So, you know, better put in the work. It's also not the easiest path to go because you had to go from there, and you got to get another look. you got to get to Memphis. And when you're at Memphis, you weren't getting the opportunities right away. 
How you know you you've had to kind of fight for a lot of things to get your opportunities. How did that help you? Um, I just knew what I was capable of. Um, I showed it, and then I showed it in high school. I feel like I showed it in JUCO. I feel like I was showing it at Memphis. Uh, it was just a case of you know getting the opportunity. Uh, you know, I waited my time. Uh, I feel like it helped me a lot. I found a love for special teams at Memphis that first year. Um, that wasn't something I was just major on at first, but uh, I found a love for it at Memphis uh, to be able to to overcome all of those obstacles. Uh, you know, made me better. And how does how do you work now? Like because of it, like you talk about the you know with the defensive bag. What little things did do you do now to help you maybe stay on that that successful path? Um, just remembering, you know, it's just the beginning. Uh, you know, I made it to where I want to be, but it's just beginning. Uh, I want to play a long time, of course. Um, so just taking this week by week, day by day uh, to get better, and, uh, you know, never letting, you know, myself get the big head, staying humble, and, you know, just put in the work. Are you surprised at all at some of the success you're having? It's 11 touchdowns a lot. Are you surprised at all? Um, I wouldn't say surprised. Uh, I didn't see the season going like this, uh, you know, especially with all the running backs here at first. Uh, I had a feeling, you know what I'm saying, I was going to get involved in the offense a little bit because they were talking about using me, but uh, I didn't expect this. So uh, I guess you could say that. Do you think about things like rookie offensive rookie of the year or anything like that? Um, not really. Of course, I heard it uh, this past week. But, uh, you know, I have my goals for the end of the season. and um, You know, I'm going to stick to that. And, and if that comes around, you know, it comes around. What what goal? Do you have a goal that you – what was the goal? Was there one goal that you really say, I really want to reach this? Uh, a thousand yards rushing was my uh, first goal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm still working on that. Uh, but you know, uh, I feel like that kind of not went out the door, but I was focusing more on trying to, you know, get the team around. And I feel like it did, uh, mid season or towards the, yeah, close to the mid season, uh, the energy changed. We changed, uh, we started playing better as a team uh, to see that was kind of my goal after that. But, uh, you know, I see it in sight still. And, um, you know, I'm still working towards that. How fun is it? Because there's a lot of young guys on this offense. How does that make it more fun for you guys? Uh, definitely to to see to see what we can be. Uh, you know, feel like we know we beat ourselves a lot, and uh, we wish we could have had a lot of plays back in a lot of games. Um, you know, just to see what we can be uh, if we put it all together um, is is very exciting. Uh, like you said, we got a lot of young guys, a lot of talent on the team. So I feel like once we put it together, you know, we could be something special. What what is what difference has as Alex Smith made just in the huddle to have a veteran like that? That's nothing against anybody else, but he's played so many years. What difference has he made in the huddle? Um, just having somebody relaxed, calm, you know, no situations, um, you know, very fluent in the huddle, uh, you know, uh, very patient. Uh, I feel like when it's when times get rough, uh, he's so calm, uh, never gets, you know. Oh, we got to hurry up and do this or anything like that. He keeps everybody relaxed. And um, I feel like he always makes the smart play. So he changes the game a lot. Just I just a couple more questions for you, and I appreciate your time. Um, one of the things, too, we talk about, like, with running backs, manipulating that second level of defenders. Do you feel that you're doing that now? Um, I feel like I'm, I'm getting better at it, uh, being able to see uh, sometimes, you know, you got to make a stick in the hole to make them bite down and then, you know, get around the edge or – to. Uh, make it seem like you're going outside to get inside. Um, so I feel like I'm growing there. 
you have a favorite play this so far? The favorite favorite run could be a ten yard run, could be a fifty yard one of the forty yard runs. Do you have a favorite one so far? Um, I would say the Jets, the Jet sweep I got for forty uh, against Dallas. Yeah, that was. Good. Why, why is that? Why does that one stick out? Uh, I love that play, by the way. I think that was probably the first time I just got – well, not the first time I got an open field off a, off a handoff, but um, just getting around the corner and being able like to, to make moves and adjust people how I wanted to in the open field. And the last one, how much how much have you heard about the wave from the Dallas game? How much have you heard about that one? And did you how much did you enjoy that? Uh, I heard about it a lot. I don't necessarily want to say I enjoyed it because I also got a lot of, um, you know, uh, watch watch what you're doing. You could have got a flag or, um, you know, it could be um, looked at as inappropriate or not you. So, um, you know, during the heat of the moment, uh, it was a good feeling. But uh, <laughs> to look back, it's like ah, I could have, you know, let that go. So that, so that might be the last wave for a while? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Antonio, thanks a lot for coming on. I've enjoyed watching your growth this year, and, and good luck the rest of the way. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. After this break, I'll be back with ESPN's Brooke Pryor, how she thinks the Steelers will respond to a sloppy game Wednesday and a bit of a tongue lashing from Coach Mike Tomlin. You've heard me talking about Lono Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lono Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, LoneOakCoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right. Put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with ESPN's Brooke Pryor. That is, that's been crazy. <laughs> I literally, I mean, I feel like I've joked all pandemic that I don't know what day it is, but this is the first week that like, I truly don't know what day it is. It's, <laughs> I, I'm told that today is Thursday, but it feels like a Monday, but also a Tuesday because Tomlin had his Zoom call today. Like, I just have no idea. What, what what was it like the last week? I mean, that's it was crazy from the outside. It's crazy. I mean, that what was it like? I mean, I think I think it was easier to manage, at least from like my perspective. And like, I I, don't, I can't speak for the other beat writers, but I felt like it was similar to what happened with the Titans in Week Four. And it just felt like, okay, well, if it's going to get postponed, there's nothing I can do about it. I don't need to stress out about it because it's not like I have other plans that are getting ruined. Um, like, I was more upset about the Titans game in week four getting moved because I was going. I, like, planned a trip to go to Vermont over the bye week and, like, go to a cabin. And then all that got taken away because of the shuffle. Oh, yeah. So this was just like, well, I mean, it sucks. But at the same time, 
the leg work that I have to do on my end because the change is so small because the COVID outbreak isn't on my team. And the only thing I get now is more time to like cook my turkey. So, <laughs> and I get more TV and like it, I mean, I feel bad for the players. Like it clearly affected them and I feel bad for the fans because then they couldn't go. And like, I hate that we missed out on a Thursday night Thanksgiving game, but I mean, I got more TV than I've ever gotten in the last week. So what do you, what do you think the impact for the Steelers is playing the, you know, the, the game on Wednesday and then having to have a short turnaround for Washington? Yeah. I mean, I think the interesting thing is for the Steelers, Mike Tomlin says constantly that he, well, he was asked today, does it help that you have a short week now to prepare for Washington in the sense that you're not going to dwell on this last ugly game. You can just throw yourself into preparation for Washington. And he was like, no, you know what? We're not going to run from this game. We're going to take lessons from that and apply them to the next week. And he was like, it's also always good to learn off a win, which he's not wrong. I mean, it's, it's a lot easier to figure out, I think, in a game like that where it feels way more like a loss than any other close one that they've had this year. And so I think that and I could be naive because I thought that they were going to be still really focused and ready to go when they played this game. And clearly that wasn't the case. <laughs> um, I think the first indication I got that this, that the game against the Ravens was not going to be a blowout was when Stefan to who's currently on the COVID list uh, tweeted his Instagram post being like, pad yeah. the stats for me. It's going to be a blowout or something. And I just thought, Oh no, this is, yeah. this is not going to be the blowout that we think it's going to be. Um, but this one, I I mean, I predicted a close score, I think 17-14. Um, but I think that the Steelers are going to look a lot better Wednesday because it's going to be fresh on their minds. Well, and that's the other thing I was going to ask, too, because one thing I like about Mike Tomlin, I've always liked, he's really direct. And if if you don't play well, even if you win, he's going to be upset. So when he says the what he did, you know, uh, what was the difference or what, was, what went wrong, us sucking. When he says that stuff, for you, you've been around this team now for a little bit. What do you anticipate for the next game when he has that kind of a, an attitude after a win? Honestly, when when he had that attitude, my first thought was like, well, I'm so happy I wasn't in the locker room. You know, as, <laughs> as a journalist, oh, my God, I would love to be there. Yeah. As just an observer, I could feel his fury through a camera after he's already talked to his team. And I was just like, oh, my God, we got a dialed down version of what he gave them. So I can only imagine what he gave them. And that makes me think that the next game, I mean, it feels like for, especially for his players, the worst thing you can do is disappoint Mike Tomlin because he's such a player's coach. He's so well-respected locker rooms, love him. And yes, there've been years where there has been some internal conflict, but still there's a reason that Mike Tomlin's been there for so long. Right. And that he's never had a losing season and that I think he's never had a season with below 500. So I think that the worst thing you can do, it's like disappointing your parents. Like I, I would rather my parents be mad at me than disappointed. And Tomlin was disappointed and angry. And so I think that the response from them is going to be, okay, we're going to show him that we can do this and that we are worthy of our record. And we are, you know, deserving of being the number one seed in the AFC and beyond everything else. We want to show coach Tomlin that, we can get our act together and that we're not the team that came out on Wednesday, that we're going to be the team that dominated Cincinnati or the team that dominated the Browns earlier in the season. What's the impact of the Bud Dupree injury? 
the butt injury, I think, will be more significant than the Devin Bush injury. Um, Dev, and, and, and when it happened, I thought the Devin Bush injury was going to be an instant loss the next week for the Steelers because that was the one position that you could not afford to lose anyone because they didn't have any depth behind it. I mean, they had Robert Spillane and Ulysses Gilbert, and that was kind of it. And neither one of those guys had very much game experience at all. I think one snap between them, maybe maybe even four snaps, but like, I mean, still less than 10. They've been able to compensate with him being out. Robert Spillane has been a good replacement. They've had the support around him. That's been okay. Now you lose a second key piece in that defense. And, and Bud really makes, I mean, he's number two in sacks, but I think it's the intangibles that are even greater than Devin Bush's intangibles. And, and I think that that's saying a lot, given that Devin Bush was the play caller for the defense. Bud Dupree is what makes TJ Watt so good because it gives them a balance in the pass rush that you can't just try to cover up TJ Watt because then Bud can come from the other side and then vice versa. There's less of a threat when the guy on the other side of TJ Watt is Alex Highsmith. And I think that that may have been the tandem going forward like next year, because I don't think that they were going to find a way to afford Bud Dupree. He was only on the franchise tag with their cap problems. I don't know that he would have been able to come back. Um, but that, but that's a year for Alex Highsmith to learn. And he's taken increased reps. He's taken as many as I, I think like 32% in a game of defensive snaps, but I mean, he has to be ready. There's no other real option there. Um, but I just think that Dupree, not only does he make TJ Watt better, although as Mike Tomlin said today, TJ Watt is what makes TJ Watt good. <laughs> right. But but Dupree is also a big part of that. But there's also the intangible of like Bud's energy, the relationship he has with TJ. I mean, Mike Tomlin, I remember I asked him earlier this year, you know, what's it like coaching the Watt brothers? Do they talk to each other during practice? And Tomlin goes, I don't think TJ talks to anybody except Bud. And <laughs> their relationship, they're so close. They're sack celebrations. They're anything that happens, their celebration and that chemistry. And just Bud is one of the most beloved guys on the team. I mean, he has a show on the Steelers website called Bud Brings a Buddy. And it's my favorite thing in the world as far as like team media goes. Because it's just him cutting up with all these guys on the team they all are like willing to go on the show and he just asks them questions and it's just he has that personality and so Juju Smith-Schuster said yesterday after the loss that the locker room was really down and really dark after the loss because they were all so sad about Bud and so I think that that is going to be a lot to get over and maybe it means that they end up rallying and playing for him and that can have a really strong effect but you also have to be able to compensate for the talent loss and that gap. And that's, that I think is going to be a really tough challenge. Absolutely. And then on the all offensive side of the ball, Ben Roethlisberger, what kind of a season is he having? And when they, one of the points they made on the T on the broadcast and you see it in the playing out in the yards per catch and all that is that he, they're not throwing down the field as much, it seems. So how has he been playing? What's going on with the offense? You know, I wrote, I think it was two weeks ago or, <laughs> <laughs> that I have lost all sense of time. It was before the game that was supposed to be played on Thanksgiving uh, that Ben Roethlisberger was having an MVP caliber season, right. which is kind of crazy because he is not putting up Patrick Mahomes numbers by any means, but he's having the kind of season when I, I, I asked Eric Ebron about this, I said, you know, do you think that Ben is deserving of an MVP award? And he said, you know, the way that the NFL hands out the award is similar to the NBA, that it often goes to the guy with the best stats that just, pop off the page. It's not necessarily to the guy who makes his team better. 
when you look at it by that, by those measurables, by who is the guy that is the most valuable person to his team and which team is benefiting the most from that, I mean, that's Ben Roethlisberger. Because without him, this offense looks a lot like the 2019 version of the offense, which was just painful to watch. They couldn't move the ball. And we saw some shades of that yesterday, and that's concerning. And I think a lot of that is the play calling, honestly. And there were some drops by the receivers. It was just bad. But I think when Ben Roethlisberger is allowed to, or he takes control over a game and does the proverbial draw the plays up in the dirt, that kind of thing. And he's calling audibles at the line of scrimmage. He's telling his receivers, all right, I want you to run this route, you to run this route, and you to do this. And they can do it. It elevates this offense to a level that it's not flashy, but it's moving the ball down the field. It's scoring points. Last night, they were terrible in the red zone. I think they went empty. They, they didn't score a touchdown their first three trips to the red zone. And this is the team that normally scores, I think, 69% of the time that they get in the red zone. But when he is at his best, he's the reason that this team is 11-0. And when he's at his worst, they're still winning games because they're undefeated. Um, He's throwing the ball. He's having to get it out really fast, which is leading to a lot of tip passes. He's had a few poor decisions, not as many as some quarterbacks that we've seen this season. But, I mean, the interception on fourth and goal was pretty egregious. Um, But also I think some of that is the play call. So I, I think that... Ben Roethlisberger, when you just look at what he's doing and what he is helping this team do, he's having one of his best seasons, even if his numbers aren't, you know, the passing, the pass being the passing leader that he was a couple years ago before the injury. He's still having such a huge impact on this team. One of the things that did strike me, though, because I, you're used to seeing Pittsburgh being able to get downfield a lot more and they do have good receivers and all that. Why haven't – and I, I'm asking this because Washington's given up a lot of big plays down the field. And my bold prediction is they're going to get a 50-yard score in this game. So I'm – but because – That is it, bold. <laughs> it is bold. But I'm saying that because of the team that I've been watching and knowing what these guys can do, and even quarterbacks who have been thrown downfield have been hitting balls, why haven't they been getting down the field more? You know, I think that initially early on, a lot of it was the connection between Ben and his receivers – because he hadn't had the offseason to throw with these guys, and he missed almost all of last year. And this is a team that he doesn't have, the Antonio Brown, the guy that he's built this long relationship with, and they have chemistry and they understand where they need to be. He's working with guys like Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and James Washington, who are young, they're good, and they can get in the right spots, but they have to get on the same page. I forget what the stat was, but I was looking this up for the MVP story. But in the last two weeks, his average air yards per attempt was up by like two full yards because he was starting to push the ball down the field more. And I think that that's where you see he's getting on the same page with his receivers. They're starting to figure out that they can stretch the ball down the field more. And that's when you're also starting to see him take over and telling guys exactly where he wants them. And they're not running, you know, all of the short plays that are maybe being called. Um, I just think that if it's up to Ben, he's throwing a lot of deep balls. I think he is being kind of restricted. He's being told to to throw some of these underneath passes, which do work. I mean, when they're sure. able to get guys these short passes and then they take off and run with it. I mean, the Steelers talk all the time about put the ball in the hands of your playmakers. They've been doing so much more of that this year, but I think that they're capable of throwing deeper passes. And I think that they're going to start doing that more as they have been the last couple of weeks but they also have to trust that receivers like Chase Claypool are not going to have and some egregious drops. And Deontay Johnson 
Also in that category, Eric Ebron has had trouble with drops. He had five drops last night and three were in the red zone. And it was the most of, it was, they had three drops in the red zone in the first half. And it was the most of any team in any half this season. That's pretty bad. That that is that that is really bad. So they're warming up there. So my bold prediction might actually be well timed. So we'll see. <laughs> um, last, last one, Brooke. Um, James Conner not going to play, and I don't. Morkey's Pouncey's not going to play either, is he? I don't believe so because okay. he got put on the COVID nineteen right. list yesterday. So even if he was just a close contact, it's still or a high risk close contact. That's five days. So I, he could potentially play, but it, not, it seems okay. unlikely. With Con, but we know James Conner's not going to play. Right. So what is the, the impact of him not being there, um, do you think? You know, it's hard to say because the Steelers' run game has been so bad. Um, even, even before he went out, the last couple games when James Conner was in there, they just weren't getting anything done on the ground. They, just, they could not get that part of their game going. And it didn't really matter because they were supplementing that with the short passing game. And that's something that James Conner was involved in. So he was getting touches just in a different way. I think Benny Snell is capable of having that role. Their run game was not very good in the first half last night, but they were able to kind of get it going a little bit more, especially in the second half. And they trusted Benny Snell to make some really important and really well-timed runs. He had, I think, what, like a 13-yard run to pick up a first down. And then they gave him the ball three straight times and he picked up another first down and they were able to kneel it out the rest of the way. So I think that they just need to go to him early and establish that run game early. And they don't need to wait until the second half to get that going. And, you know, last night, Mike Tomlin started out his postgame press conference with all of the negatives. This morning when we talked to him, he started off with the positives. And the first thing was Benny Snell mm-hmm. and his not only his his fortitude and ability to run the ball there at the end and run out the clock but also his situational awareness, his just resiliency, the the situational awareness specifically being he knew to not run out of bounds and things like that. Because he is still a young player, and that's something that you've seen veteran guys make the mistake of at the end of a game, not not understanding the situation. Um, So I I think that the Steelers' run game is is capable in Benny Snell's hands, but it's up to the rest of the offense to also get that going early and not waiting to to really activate that until the second half. Well, it'll be interesting. This is the first good team that Washington will play with the first team over 500 in a while. So it's going to be quite a challenge for them. Brooke, thank you. Great, great insight. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Antonio Gibson and Brooke for joining me. And thank you for listening. Also, as always, thanks to Lono Coffee. I'll be back Monday with another episode after the Steelers game. Talk to you then.